Hey guys, this is Monica Renee. And Chris Edward. And we're back with another episode of Talk Pot Sex. And for this episode, um, we're going to be talking about the spring break season. Uh, it is definitely coming up upon us. And we just want you guys to be safe. You know, as sexual activity increases, then the number of incidences also increase along with it. Right. So your health and safety is important. And also having fun is important. But nothing's more fun than staying alive and being healthy. So here we go. <laughs> yeah. Today we have an interesting story um, anonymously submitted to the Thought Catalog. And in the story, it touches on some very uh, important topics that we're going to talk about in today's show. Um, I was at a nightclub dancing the nice night away per the usual. And this hot guy walks up to me on the dance floor and asks me for my number. I was flattered and played along. A few days later, he messages me and we meet up. We started hanging out and a few dates lead to us having sex. The first time, he specifically asked me, you said you were spayed, right? Do you want to use a condom? Without hesitation, I answered yes. The following weeks and more hangouts, we continue having sex. We always use condoms. I am always the one carrying condoms. I practice safe sex. This past weekend, he invites me to a barbecue. I happily agreed. As the night goes on, much drinking and fun ensued. Parts of the evening are a blur, and some of the audio and video of my memory reel is missing. However, a general idea of the evening is present. I noticed when I woke up a few hours later to use the restroom at dawn, the usual multiple condoms and wrappers were missing from the floor and side table. I started having this dreaded feeling in my stomach that this was to- this totally cool guy I had been hanging out with and fucking for several weeks had unprotected sex with me without my permission. I asked him, did you bareback me last night? And the what was replied. I asked again and he answered, yes, I did for a minute. That was pretty much the end of the conversation. I understand that I am responsible for my own safety and well-being. I understand that I should not allow myself to get too intoxicated so that I'm present and able to make decisions. I went on to tell him that I was taking 50% of the responsibility for what happened because I didn't specifically tell him I had condoms in my bag and for not setting them out. I also told him that I was partially responsible due to having gotten too intoxicated and didn't attempt to correct him before he penetrated me. However, I should not have had to, considering the level of consent and play we had in the past, right? If he had made an apologetic effort to give me aftercare and would have had an uncomfortable conversation with me about what happened, I wouldn't feel so violated and regretful. The situation sucks. And I unfortunately now know that what it feels like when I read posts about other women being penetrated bareback without their permission. I concluded that the lesson learned is, I was penetrated bareback and it happened because I drank too much. This wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been so intoxicated. Do I feel this way because the other person's unwillingness to take partial responsibility and, un- and unapologetic response? I am wondering if more men would respond accordingly and provide aftercare, would there be less reports of bareback penetration? Wow. That was a lot. Most important, not most importantly, but what the hell is spaded? <laughs> like, like cats getting spaded or like, I don't, I don't understand. Did she have a hysterectomy? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was the part <laughs> I was spated? just like, 
spade. <laughs> like the I immediately thought cat. of like humane like society and like spaying their cats. Right. Like I was like, what you got her at a pound? Like what the fuck? <laughs> like what's happening here? Um so yeah, that was totally unimportant to the story, but I had to get that out. <laughs> Uh, what is important to the story is this, you know, crucial question that we get early on in the story. And, and that's, should only men carry condoms? Is it her responsibility to carry the condoms? Is she the one that should always carry the condoms? Or is it he should always carry the condoms? Why didn't he have his condoms? Like, what's, what's going on here? Why don't, why don't, why does everyone in the room have condoms? And whose real responsibility is it to have condoms? Well, I think she made a really great point when she said I- I always, um, you know, carry condoms and that she is a responsible person when it comes to her sexuality. Yeah, she's real mature about her sexual health. Yeah. Real mature about it. And just protecting herself as well as, you know, whomever she may be pairing up with. Um, So I think everyone should take note of that. If you are sexually active or if you plan on being sexually active, then you should take responsibility for your own body and your own health, really, you know, as in total. Absolutely. I, I agree. Um, I, I'm still stuck at the point that, you know, he didn't have condoms with him. Uh, I mean, I don't know that for sure, but in the story, it doesn't allude to the fact that he ever carries condoms with him. Um, even though it may not be his singular job, just like you said, if you're, you know, if you're sexually active, you should probably be prepared. And um, it also goes back to like classic quote unquote gentleman style where you know you carry your condom in your wallet. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have if you don't have a condom in your wallet, um, a fresh condom in your wallet, it's like a fresh condom. You're not actually trying to have sex. <laughs> right. Not this one that you had since like two thousand nine. <laughs> like a fresh condom in your wallet. Um, you know, you replace, check the dates, all that good stuff. And it's not been tampered with or anything. If you don't have one of those in your wallet, then you're not actually trying to have sex, in my in my opinion. If a woman doesn't have those in her purse and you don't have them in your wallet, y'all shouldn't really be having sex. Exactly. That's just, you know, how I feel about it. (laughs) Yeah. And you open yourself up to so many things besides, you know, STDs and and, uh, HIV. You can open yourself up to, you know, another human, you know, Uh, it's just. Right. Well, well, she was spaded. So so, human there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, okay. No kittens there. Exactly. So. Yeah, I need some clarification on what spade means exactly. Um, Because Right, anonymous if you're listening. Yeah, (laughs) because if she were, let's say um, she couldn't get pregnant. Well, there's still the concern of what is his sexual history? What, you know, maybe she has something that she was trying to protect him from. She didn't, you know, allude that she already had, you know, an STI or an STD, but... That is a good point. Point. That is a very good. I didn't even think about that. Well, you read the story, but what if she? What if she, it was her job of you know in her mind of carrying the condoms was to protect her partners because she already knew what the deal was going on downstairs for her. Yeah. Um. And if that's the case, he would have really messed himself up. So the moral is moral. That part of the story for everyone listening is protect yourself seriously. Yeah. Protect other people. Protect yourself. It's a two way street. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it totally is. Um, it also kind of boils down a little bit to a, a self-care on the broader scheme of thing. Just to so that in the future, you know, when, you, when you're having sex, you don't have to worry about, like at the end of this story, she's talking about how she um, is concerned about, uh, about how he wasn't really concerned about it. Well, to put your mind at ease, always make sure that condom's on. 
but we'll get to the end of the story when we get to the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it? Um, what is this considered? Is this is this a consent issue, or are we looking at just um, you know a, a lack of condom issue, or what? What exactly is this story telling us right now? So she didn't say how much she had been drinking, um, but only that she had drank too much, uh, obviously. So I question, um, did he see how much she was drinking? Was he drinking as well? Because we come into this gray area of when having sex with an intoxicated person goes wrong. Are you know, are you taking advantage of them because of their their state of mind or are you simply, you know, having consensual sex, even though you are intoxicated? Because, I mean, I've had, you know, a few drinks and had sex, but I consented to that, although I had been drinking. Um, and it seems like they did have a sexual history um, in the past, but still consent issues can happen even after having consensual sex for the first time. Uh, so, you know, I would like to have more information so I could give a more solid answer um but definitely there was a consent issue with the condom like that's a hands down it, there's no gray there he should have had he should have had a condom she should have had a condom um they even they make female condoms now so really it's there's no excuse and he should have been like okay i want this but i don't want to go in here completely without my raincoat on <laughs> Right. Like, I don't want the extra gifts that go along with your treasure chest. Like, I don't I don't want none of that. Let's just have some good old safe fun. Yeah. So he should have checked <laughs> um, himself. I, on the on the issue of consent and drinking, and I know this is huge for spring break life. Um, most cases, uh, if any, if there are any court cases that come out after the spring break season, it's uh, always a drunken girl who was raped has to defend herself against everyone else because they said, well, she shouldn't have been drinking. Um, being that she was intoxicated and she technically wouldn't have had the autonomy to say yes or no to sex, would this be considered rape? Is this a part of the rape culture narrative and she just doesn't quite realize it? Or is it the fact that she feels violated from the fact that they didn't use condoms? Is that part of this? Let's talk more about that, uh, Monica. Okay, so she, um, it seemed like her main concern towards the end was that she had sex without a condom and she didn't seem too upset that they had sex because it seemed like before when she said she knew what the night was about, that while she was getting intoxicated, she already knew what would ensue thereafter. Um, let me see if I can find mm -hmm. that. She said, however, a general idea of the evening was present. So it, she's, you know, she's letting us know, like, okay, I know where we're going to go after this. So in my mind, I'm not totally, my alarms aren't going off because she's kind of consenting before consenting. She's like pre-consenting in her mind already. <laughs> it, you know, like, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. No, it makes perfect sense. So yeah. she's telling herself yes before she's telling him yeah. yes. 
So in, in that case, I'm not totally alarmed. She wasn't, you know, walking down on South Beach, kind of like doing her own thing. And all of a sudden she wakes up in somebody's apartment. You know, it wasn't that type of right, right. Uh, situation. She was, you know, she there. She was there. She knew this person in her mind. She was like, yeah, you know, I'm straight for the night. So she was already getting that in her head and getting into that mode. She just kind of didn't know where to stop on the drinks. Um, so in that, so in that right, I don't think he he violated her or that he didn't consider her needs, uh, except for that condom issue. That went out the window. Right. But that is a very serious issue there. Um, I think I kind of get what she's saying, where she feels uh, violated about his his lack of really caring that, that they didn't use a condom that night. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure he was drinking with her and he might have been a little drunk, too. And that could be the reason why he, I guess, overall kind of forgot since, you know, one track mind when it comes to sex. Yeah. Let's just get it. But um you know, I think I think he might have forgot because he was drunk too. But I feel like I feel the sense of violation there because um, she had agreed in the past, right, to only or you know her 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 thing was safe sex. That was her thing. It's always been her thing. She carries condoms. Her thing is safe sex. The fact that they didn't have safe sex it was not a part of her consensual agreement. It wasn't part of her arrangement. It wasn't part of her sexual history. Is that is that something that needs to be reminded every time? Uh, consenting partners have sex or is that you know upfront and open hey by the way I'm safe sex only and call it a day like what what's that situation I think it depends on the tone that you set and where you are in your relationship if in the beginning you start dating and you're like okay we're about to start having sex and my requirement just like you were saying is safe sex every time no exceptions. If she set something out out like that on the table to this guy, then most certainly he violated that consent. It's like when you sign a contract and you know you have these little fine details that you have to abide by, like Sally Mae, for example. And if you violate one of those small details, then you violate the whole contract. Listen, if you see that girl Sally Mae, though, we have we need to. <laughs> Don't let her call me, though, because I'm going to meet her in the street, but we have to have a conversation. Yeah, because she has consenting problems as well. She does have some consenting <laughs> problems, okay? We need to talk about that, Sally. Yeah, so he definitely uh, would have violated that that contract, that sexual con- contract that they had, had that been um, kind of the tone that she set for herself. And as far as consenting every single time, definitely if you get into a relationship some, you don't have to give a, a verbal, yes, let's have sex right now, you know, because, cause, right. I mean, you're kind of in the flow if you want to have something spontaneous and you're not going to be like, yeah, let's let I, I am consenting to you right now. That <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. Like what during spring break, a lot of things are spontaneous. Yeah. Um, inhibitions are low. You know, you're trying to get rid of some stress. So you're just trying to have fun. Um, and a lot of times it's like, okay, we're, we're going to head to this bar now, or we're going to head to this club now, or we're going to go down South Beach, or we're going to do, you know, spur of the moment type right. things. If a woman is pre-consenting, so like this this girl is an anonymous person in our story, pre-consented, and she told herself, I'm going to have sex yeah. tonight. You know, that was her pre-consenting. What if girls um, on spring break in Panama City or South Beach are out here saying, before they go out, I'm going to get some tonight. And then towards the end of the night when they're super drunk, they don't really have the voice at that point to say no. Um, how can they stop participating? How can they make sure that their consent is known 
when it was a spontaneous, oops, I drank too much and I had already decided to have sex, but I didn't necessarily want to have sex with you. What does that look like? Yeah, you kind of touched on the point that I was going to make. You know, when I'm in my hotel room and I'm getting ready and, you know, beating my face and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm going to have sex tonight. That doesn't mean like whoever comes up to me and sticks their dick in me. It's whom I want to have sex with. I may have a goal to have sex, but to whom that matters. There's a process there in selecting someone who you want to literally open yourself up to. But now when you're super drunk though, are you really selecting, you know, what's, what's, what is that doing in the psyche right then of consent? Is is she still consenting even though she's super drunk? Is is drunk something you can't consent because you don't have the right mindset? Um, and what is it, the responsibility of your sexual partners to know if you're too drunk? Because, you know, keep in mind, most of these are strangers. They don't really know if you're too drunk or not. Well, they're... They kind of just think maybe that's how she parties. Yeah, well, there's definitely signs of someone being too intoxicated to make a healthy decision. Um, Not even just on the topic of sex, but even when we talk about driving and, you know, operating machinery, there's, you know, like we all know that there's levels to getting drunk. You know, there's the feeling it, there's the tipsy. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you go through these like steps of the drunk steps. Um, so if a girl or, or a guy, because we often leave out men who aren't able to give consent, in some cases they end up getting raped and it's not popular for a man to come out and say that I was raped because then they're really blamed. Well, how can they rape you? You not have an erection. Um, you must've liked it. Those type of questions. Girl, we done stumbled onto another topic right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just fell into that one. <laughs> we walked right into it or ran. Um, All right. <laughs> but. Reverse. Yeah. So on both sides, you know, if a guy or a girl is falling mm-hmm. over, they can't even hold up their, their cup of alcohol that they're still trying to force down their throat, then that person cannot get consent because that person can probably, you know, they I don't think they can make it back to their room on their own. If you require a buddy to get across the street, then you cannot give consent um, and you should not ask for consent from someone who is toppling over like that. So I think that's a definite consent issue and potentially rape when you see someone in that state. That's usually what happens at parties in most cases. Now, here's my biggest concern. Here's my biggest concern with that. and this is just on the personal end. I've actually never been um, to any spring break destination. All my spring breaks were consistent of me crying about how poor I was. Oh, yeah, same here. <laughs> but um, same. I just I just know as a drinker, because I am a heavy drinker, um, I'm also a lightweight. My drunk isn't as noticeable to people who don't know me because I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy-go-lucky when I'm drunk. Kind of like I, I giggle like a little schoolgirl <laughs> and I'm just always smiling. But to to the average person, they could just think I'm a happy person. Right. You know, they don't know I'm a cynical asshole, actually, when I'm sober. But to, to the random stranger, they could totally just think, oh, he's not that drunk. He's just tipsy. What if for the people like that, where their drunk isn't everybody's drunk, where their I've had too much isn't the same as, you know, someone else's I've had too much? Well, uh, two things. One, I'm going to bring in the issue of friends if your friend isn't really isn't willing to tell you that you've had too many then that's not 
that's not your friend. Your friend should be giving you those little reminders like, hey, girl, you're on your fourth uh, martini there. You might want to slow it down a little bit. Um <laughs> Okay, honey, sit there. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. I see you, girl. We're starting to dance <laughs> on tables, and I think it's time that we look that we go. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna take a quick picture for the archives, <laughs> but you can so down. I can bring it up later. Um, right. <laughs> but I definitely think friends should you should monitor your friends, and your friends should monitor you. But beyond that, not to just place all the responsibility on friends, I think that person who is actually asking for consent. Um, we're not getting to the topic of rapists because rapists don't care whether you're consenting or not. They're looking for you to be completely intoxicated, right. to take advantage of you. But for those who are literally asking, they want consent to have sex. But this person may, you don't know quite if they're they're over their limit. Just talking to that person and seeing, because there's usually signs, a little bit slurred speech, not quite making sense, blending sentences, a little bit of the motor skills may be affected as well. So just looking for those signs. And then maybe if a friend is there, like asking them, like, hey, are they, you know, are they at their limit? Are they having a little bit too much fun here? Just those simple little things, checking yourself and checking with that person and their friends if you're asking for consent, looking for consent. That was absolutely beautiful. I would love if some man had gone up to my friends and was like, hey, is he okay? And if they say yes, it's like, I love y'all. Y'all got my back, unless he's ugly. That's the case, that's a different story. But I would love if my friends would, you know, if the guy that's trying to go home with me would get my friends, not approval, but get there, their, their check sign, like, he's good, take care of him, we'll hunt you down and kill you if something bad happens. I would love Let me take your picture kind of and your ID for <laughs> proof of right. identity. Can I get your license plate number? <laughs> Stuff like <Yeah>. that. <laughs> exactly. So when talking about uh, rape culture and consent and drunken sex, how, uh, how touchy is it to discuss examining your partner for spontaneous drunken sex like you've now officially consented you said you want to have sex but how you know how are you going to go about oh let me check your balls let me see your you know let me see your glitters let me see your you know the lips tell me what's going on with your body parts before we have this happen if you're having spontaneous wild a little bit tipsy sex how do you go about examining your partner well, it doesn't have to be like a doctor's visit where, they, you know, you have stirrups involved <laughs> and gloves and all. Stick up your tongue. <laughs> Say, uh-huh. I mean, unless that's your thing, unless, you know, that's kind of the scene that you have set up. I mean, then, you know, play on. But, um, you know, on the, your normal day to day, that doesn't have to be a full, you know, sterile examination type of thing. Be creative with it. You know, things like foreplay. You really get to see a person's body and appreciate a person's body when you're engaging in foreplay. And during that process, you know, while you're touching and doing little kisses and things like that, you can have your eyes open to different things that might not seem quite, you know, normal, like a rash here or there or, you know, a group of bumps. Right, right. I agree. During that foreplay time, you know, use your use your senses. Right. All five of them. If you got six, sniff around. But <laughs> like, you know, sniff around. A little bit you know feel around a little bit look around you know all these things and then you know finally if they pass all those tests go ahead and do a taste test you know that's that's how you can really figure out um what's going on for me personally during foreplay uh because i'm a former germaphobe <laughs> i prefer if our foreplay starts in the shower 
<laughs> like personally, that's how I feel. That's a great time for me to examine you. You can examine me. Uh, if that lingers after a, the shower. Uh, scent odor, like or something, because we came from the club and you're a little sweaty or something. Right. Well, no, no, no. Well, yes. If it lingers after the shower, there's a big issue here. We're not having sex. Um, <laughs> tomorrow, maybe. With you, but we're not having sex. But if if there's a scent thing before, like if you you know you go back to the hotel room, let's say you're leaving a club on the, from the beach. And there's a club on the beach, and you sweated your ass off, and, you know, you're a little bit funky. I personally like foreplay starting a shower just so we can get <laughs> that off. Well, I, I love the smell of soaps. You know, natural body odor is great if it smells naturally good. I love the smell of soap, though. Soap and oils, that's that's a turn on. So for me personally, I butter. like to do the... Yeah, and shea butter. Yeah, hello. Thank you. <laughs> um, if, if we're going to be having sex, I, I like to start foreplay in the shower. But I know a lot of times that's, you know, not people's thing. So it's always about just being aware and using your, you know, natural born gifts, which are, you know, your five senses. <laughs> Make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. Right. Um, and definitely, um, you know, lift up things put things down to the side. I mean, you make it creative. Right. Don't, again, you don't make it seem like a doctor's visit. Right. But if you need to lift something up, spread something apart, I mean, that's what you're getting yourself into. And you need to know what it is that you're doing. Have a little candle right. lit in the corner if you have the lights off because you need to be able to see. Um, you know, you can even bring the candle into the bed, you know, make it seem like, oh, I'm going to use the wax. But really, you're just trying to see what the situation is before you get involved. Uh oh, I see it. Don't even. OK, I'm trying to give people some good My ideas bad. here so that they can be safe out here. So, you know, by, by any means necessary. Here. Right. Um, it's definitely something you could take to heart and use that. Another free tip is there's nothing wrong with an erotic massage before you get down to business. That's a good time for you to search everything out and not seem creepy. Maybe like, oh, let me rub some oil on your back, some lotion on your back. Okay, now spread your legs and do your upper thigh, inner thigh, upper inner thigh. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm getting a little touchy, aren't I? Mm -hmm. And then you're just checking things out, you know. And that's a really good way to get things started because uh, it, it keeps the turn on and the physical touch pleasure sensors going while you're also, you know, being smart about who you're touching on. But I know, you know, if it's spring break and you're having anonymous, crazy, wild, you know, slightly drunk sex, you probably can't do all that, but still um, touch around, feel around, smell around, all that good stuff. <laughs> and I think another um, good point too, is that in order to know what it is that you're looking for, um, definitely research the various STDs and STIs. The obvious signs are definitely odor, if there's any type of discharge, um, if you see bleeding, bumps, redness, rash, those are obvious signs. Every STD and STI isn't going to have obvious signs. Some uh, STDs break out in a kind of like seasons or, you know, having breakout periods. Herpes is definitely an example of that. And then you have bigger ones like HIV, which a person can look completely healthy, um, but it's it's also important to at least, you know, do that examination to get your initial representation of what they have going on. And then from there, you can investigate further uh, as far as their sexual history. All right, we're going to take a short break and talk about something that are, is very important to some friends of ours. Monica, take it away. Okay, so there's this website called gettested.cdc.gov. Um, I'm going to say that again, get, 
G-E-T, tested, T-E-S-T-E-D, dot C-D-C, spelled C-D-C, dot gov, G-O-V. And on this website, you can type in any city and or any zip code, and it will give you a full list of clinics and hospitals where you can go to get tested for STDs as well as HIV. Also on the website, um, they have a plethora of information on um, how to know if you have any of these um, diseases besides getting tested, which you ultimately need to do regardless. How do you protect yourself and your partner? Just a wealth of information. Um, you guys should definitely check it out. Awesome. All right, let's get back into it. Right. Speaking of which, when is a good time to ask about sexual history? Like you're meeting someone in a bar and you really are just trying to get your nut that night and you are not trying to do much else. You're trying to get drunk, get your nut off, wake up in the morning, go to brunch with your friends. What it, like when is a good time to talk about sexual history with your partner? Is there ever a good time? Is it something that just needs to be done or is there... A certain way you can go about it um i think every situation you kind of have to tailor it i think there is there's no situation where sexual history shouldn't be discussed that is first and foremost whether you plan on actually dating that person mm -hmm. or just having a fling with them I, no matter what something needs to be talked about right right so what what does sexual history look like is that how many partners you've had or how when is last time you got tested or you know, what, what is that conversation? Um, how many partners you have isn't as important as asking, do you get tested? Because I don't care if you had one partner or 25 partners, but you don't get tested. You know, it only takes one person. So it doesn't matter how many partners you've had. Are you getting tested? Are you getting regular checkups to see if you're healthy and you're keeping your partners healthy? I think that's the thing that people should have on their minds. And that should be the first question that you ask. Do you get tested? If you know you're heading down that route, whether it's a fling, a, a date that you have, ask them like, hey, do you, get, do you get tested? I mean, if you can't handle that type of conversation, then you can't handle that person's body, point blank. Yes, yes, you did that, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get the goods if you're not right. mature enough. Um, so, so say I'm, you know, I'm here at the bar and I'm looking for someone to go home with tonight. Uh, and I see, I see him over there and I'm like, damn, they fine. Hey, can I buy you a drink? And they say, yes. In the first five seconds, should I be talking, or first, you know, initial part of the conversation, should I be asking about your sexual history or should I wait till we actually get to go into wherever we're going. Well, so. I mean, you should get to know that person's name. Is that important for a hookup? Is that a thing? <laughs> you should at least get to know that person's name and, you know, just okay. some 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 details about that person to really know, you know, not just based on looks, but, you know, is there anything else that will make you want to confirm and seal the deal? Like, okay, this is the person that I want to go home with tonight or, you know, this evening, depending on how you live. You know, that should be like the first thing, just like getting some, some, a little bit more details on this person and find out a little bit more about their um, their lives that if they're at least willing to open up to you about. And then I think from there, if you feel like you're, you know, you're headed towards that direction, as soon as you kind of feel that moment, I think you should kind of direct the conversation um, whether you're talking in general about sex and then you lead into um, testing or you feel mature and open enough to 
immediately come out and discuss it. I think at that first sign of of intimacy and closeness, you should pump the brakes and and start asking questions. Right, right. So this is something that um, when we talk about consent and sex and openness, I notice that there's a lot of times. I, I didn't notice this, but I mean, I I'm just assuming based on the the power structure set up in the U.S. Um, women have less power than men on a systematic level. So what of the women out there that are afraid of, of men for the, the introverts or the shy women or just ones that have had bad experiences and they are afraid of men and don't necessarily know how to be vocal about their sexual needs and desires, um, what advice do you have for them? Um, well, there are a number of ways to bring in sexual history. So if you're not as comfortable with just coming out and asking like, hey, when's the last time you got tested? I was mentioning earlier, you could kind of in conversation kind of lead it more towards an, an intimate area. And then once you're kind of comfortable in that mix of conversation, then you take the next step and kind of try to direct it towards um, a healthy standpoint. And there you can bring up getting getting tested and possible, you know, sexual history that may be important uh, for them to know. I think that's a, definitely a good way. And some places when you get tested, they give you a little card with your, your status on it. Um, and that's always nice to carry around in your wallet or in your purse. Right next to that condom I was telling y'all about, put that right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> right next to the condom and lube that you, that you have in your bag. Right. Um, definitely, you know, pull it out and show that person so they can have a little bit of reassurance or it can be like a conversation piece um, that you use to bring in that, that you know, because it is a bit of a heavy topic. But once again, if you're not willing to talk about it, then you can't be about it, basically. Hey, that's right. Okay, so we're at the end of our show. Give the listeners top five safety tips for spring break. Mm. Always be with a partner. Um, yes, buddy system. Yeah, buddy system. <laughs> <laughs> we learned this back in elementary school. Always have a buddy, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're going to these spring break destinations. Because even just off the topic of sex, so many things can happen when you're in these places, and they know that that spring break crowd is coming in, and there are people looking to take advantage in in any way possible. Always have a buddy with you first and foremost second piece of advice know your limit just uh, and beforehand if you want to like go to one of your friends dorm rooms or whatever and be like hey I need to know my limit and what I can and can't do when you just have a few to kind of test your boundaries if you feel comfortable doing it do it because there's nothing like taking someone who is freshly 21 to spring break and they haven't been drinking beforehand and now they're just like oh well i'm 21 i can drink however much i want no you can't boo boo <laughs> like please <laughs> know your limit uh when it comes to drinking third tip would definitely be man woman and anything in between please have your own form of contraception on you um, if even if you're on the pill you seem to protect yourself from stis and stds and that slight chance of pregnancy that always comes with any of these um oral contraceptives or even the um the intrauterine implant uh 
there's still always a slight chance of pregnancy. So if you don't want no kids and no high daycare costs, please bring a form of contraception with you, um, no matter what. Number four would definitely be consent. Whether you've been drinking or not, um, it's always important to have consent from your partner and to show them in some way that you're consenting to them. That way they can be at ease and more comfortable with you to kind of let the night ensue. Because um, there's so many incidents of rape that result from spring breaks and trips, you know, it's just the the sexual activity increases, the hormones get to flowing, and unfortunately, that results in high number of rape cases. So definitely consent, consent, consent. Right. Consent is sexy. So Consent yeah. is very sexy. I love consent. Consent and condoms are the two C's I love. Well, there's a third C. We'll talk about <laughs> that one later. <laughs> uh, wait, what's the third C? I'll tell you later, girl. Because <laughs> I'm like, what? What's the third C? <laughs> I'm trying to think. <laughs> Ooh, I have a good number five. Okay. Okay. The fifth tip is don't forget to spade and neuter your partners. <laughs> Whatever that means. Whatever I don't that, know what means. that means. <laughs> spade and neuter your partner. <laughs> Well, all right, you guys, thank you for listening to Talk Pot Sex. And I hope you guys join us next time for another episode of Talk Pot Sex with Monica Renee. And Chris Edward. Okay, enjoy your week. Bye. Don't drink too much. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Party.